Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. The message for today is called Suit Up. Suit Up. Amen. Suit Up. You know, I've been thinking uh, about the virus and the pandemic and, you know, uh, I'll be lying if I told you that, you know, um, I am handling it well. You know, I I, I am. And don't get me wrong. <laughs> Uh, I am handling it well, but the, there's a part of me that can't help think and wonder if everyone's doing okay. You know, I think that's the part of me. I think the the, the, the pastoral part of me, the, the 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 shepherding heart part of me that that is just very curious and, and wondering. You know, if you, I I I, I if if there's a reason I have not been able to be sleeping well in this virus season. It's not because of fear of the virus, but because I wonder, I wonder if everyone in church and everyone in my life is doing well and not just well in the area of your health, but well in terms of your spiritual walk with God. And uh, I just feel like, man, I wish if only I was able to just be there in person to encourage you, uh, to give you a hug, to give you a pep talk, uh, to point you directly to some scriptures to encourage you. But alas, we can't do that for now. You know? But I want to continue to equip us. And, and I started to think, you know what? What makes us Christian? What makes us a believer? How can we stay productive as a believer in a time when productivity is waning, you know, I'm not here to try to knock at you, but that's the truth, right? That's the truth. I mean, a lot of us are working from home, but the truth is working from home, um, it might be more tiring. It might be a bit more stressful and God bless you. If that's you, God's peace and love shower upon you. But the truth is this, eh, while we might be working from home, uh, we don't always feel productive. You know, there is a part of us that is built to connect and engage with the people around us because we are built in the image of God. And God, He is three but one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit for all of eternity. So so they were they were built in a way, well, nobody built God, but what I mean is this, you know, God's very nature is that he loves fellowship. And we who are built in God's image uh, uh, is also created to desire fellowship. And we function best when we are able to fellowship and connect and engage uh, and socialize with the people around us. And so my hope is this, that in, an, in a time where all of us are isolated and we pray that, you know, things will be get better. We pray that more lives will be healed. Amen. Um, but uh, until then, uh, I want us to still be productive in our walk with God. You know, I believe that, yes, we are, we function best when we are together as a church physically, but I believe that God also created us with enough potential that we can still be a blessing even in this time of isolation. And so if you're taking down notes, I want us to uh, write this scripture down. This will be the main text of scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. And those of you who are familiar with this, um, you will know that we're going to be talking about, you know, the armor of God. And uh, those of you who are new, you might be thinking, the what now? Don't worry. Uh, like I said, today's message title now hopefully makes a little bit more sense. Uh, it's, you know, suit up, suit up the armor of God. Uh, but we want to read, amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, all the way to verse 18. If you have your Bible, can I hear good amen? Thank you. And here we go. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, the wilds of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, 
with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. There are a few things I want them to break down for us uh, for today's message. First of all, uh, Paul starts by reminding us, put on the full armor of God, because the truth is this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Nothing in flesh and blood, nothing in the physical is just the physical. Everything the Bible teaches us, because we are spiritual beings, you know, everything has a spiritual dimension to it, there's a spiritual element to it. And so, for example, you know, this, uh, p- this pandemic might look like a physical thing, but I also believe that the enemy is using this type of pandemic to ruin lives. But at the same time, I believe that God is also using this pandemic to save lives. So everything has a spiritual dimension to it. There is a demonic uh, uh, influence over this pandemic, no doubt about it. But there is also, you know, God and a miraculous influence over this pandemic. And, and so what we are meant to do uh, here, how do we stay productive in our faith in a time of lockdown? You know, Paul tells us this, put on the whole armor because nothing is just physical. So even though we're locked down, there is something spiritual that we can do. And, and the combination of his teaching is not really in the armor of God, even though we'll be learning about it, but it's actually in verse 18, praying always. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Verse 18, in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance of supplication for all the saints. In other words, Paul is reminding us that God's plan for us is to be praying always. And this is something that a lot of us as Christians, we we forget. Or we don't realize that actually we need to pray always. That prayer is not just an element of our Christian faith. It is it is a core element, not just a, a subjective cause. It is, uh, is it is the bulk of it. It is you know it's God desires prayer so much so that his temple uh, in the Old Testament days was called a house of prayer for the nations. You know, God desires for us to pray. Why did Jesus come and teach us to pray? And Paul is saying that believers, we ought to be praying always. And and this is something that we've got to be repenting of because the truth is we, we don't pray always. We, 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 we have unknowingly sometimes relegated prayer to prayer meeting. Relegate the prayer to troubled times. But the word of God is saying that whether it's rain or shine, pray always. Whether you are together in the community of faith or alone in the time of isolation, pray always. And this is what I want us to realize today. This is how we can be productive as believers, which is to go back to scripture, meditate on the promises of God. Those of you who have been following our weekly teachings, you know what I'm getting at, and, and allow God to use this time isolation to reveal and go like, you know what, you know, what's lacking in my life is not, it's not just fear that's coming out, but maybe it's also a lack of prayer or a, a lack of realization that prayer is not just a one-to time thing, but it's an always thing. You know, the prophet Daniel was famous for praying at least three times a day. And the question is, do we pray as often as that? Jesus was known to to go away from the crowds often, to go by himself to pray. Jesus, of all the things he could role model out, he role model out prayer. And so we got to come back to that place. So, so this is my first encouragement. How do we stay productive? How do we continue uh, to, to, to glorify God in a time of isolation when we can't even touch another person? We can pray. We can pray. Friends, never underestimate the power of prayer and what prayer can accomplish. So we're going to pray, 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 pray. Unceasingly pray. With all perseverance, pray. With the Spirit, pray. And for all the saints, pray. As verse 18 commands us to pray because not everything is just flesh and blood. 
Pray because it's a spiritual dimension. Pray. Like I said, God is using this time for miraculous things. So let's pray that more miracles, more healings can take place. Let's pray for more hearts to be turned. Like I said, yes, there is a demonic aspect to this pandemic. The enemy is using this to to mess people up, uh, to, to, to disrupt lives. But God is also moving. Think about this for a while. Isn't it unique that we're living in a time where every excuse is being stripped away? Think about it. Every excuse, every excuse we've ever given, you know, in our our pursuit of God, uh, every excuse towards procrastination in our pursuit of God. Oh God, of course I'll pray more, but I'm so busy. Right now, God is stripping away the busyness. And not just stripping away our commitments in life like work and study uh, and, and, and free time, but God's also stripping away the distractions. Think about it. There's no new movie coming out. I, I know, don't I know you're about to say, well, but Pastor Netflix is still dropping. Just forget Netflix, but think about it, right? No big Hollywood blockbuster, no, nobody's talking about that, nothing to distract us, no sports is happening. Heck, even the Olympics has been postponed. The, no, the tennis opens has been postponed. Even the, the English Premier League, now they're talking about closing the season. So now I want you to pray, you know, pray for that it will not happen. So at least, or if it does happen, then Liverpool will be, you know, declared officially as the winner. Amen. Praise God. We claim that in Jesus' name. Okay, okay, okay coming back. But think about this. God's taking away every distraction as well to get to us. But not just to us. Maybe God's taking away all these distractions like sports, like entertainment, like work, like busyness, like not having time so that he can, so the message of the gospel can get through to more people. And what we need to do as a church is to, is to read the times that we're living in and go, wow, God, I, I see an element of what you're doing through this pandemic. You're taking away excuses. You're taking away distractions. So God, I'm going to pray like never before that more hearts will be softened, that hearts will be softened even more in this time of pandemic. And of course, at the same time, pray for for more lives to be healed and, 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 and for the death rate to go down because I also believe that there is you know, the, the devil wants to hurt lives one way or the other. And, and I believe that that's also happening. But this is where Christians, we can do because we can. God gives us the permission to wage spiritual warfare. Our friends who don't know Christ can't wage warfare for themselves. They think that they're just fighting against unemployment. They think that they're just fighting against depression. They think that they're just fighting against a, a virus, but it's not. And our job is not to go like, hey, you know, do you know that there's creepy stuff? No, no. All our jobs to go like, look, I, I know, you know, God has given us spiritual insight into what is happening behind the scenes. And so God help us to pray, pray, pray. Do you know that you can, you can share the gospel more by praying for your friends than sometimes openly opening up your, your mouth, amen? Sometimes the, 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 the power, the mountains, there are more mountains that can be moved through prayer uh, than your words. Amen. I mean, physical words, not words of prayer. And so what I'm saying is this, that look, it is a, it is a troubled times that we're living in, but there are spiritual elements. So let us be productive Christians. Let us be Christians that glorify God and let us pray always. But as I was preparing today's message, I certainly uh, got a different revelation. In other words, if if the point of Paul going through the whole armor is to culminate at verse 18, pray always. Therefore, the armor is not necessarily for our own protection. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is, but the main point of putting on the armor is so that we can be more effective in our prayer life. We can be more effective in our spiritual warfare through prayer. So do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, the armor is for our benefit, but the word of God always says, you're never just blessed. You're blessed to be a blessing. In other words, if the armor protects you, God's plan is not just to protect you. It is 
through you, the rest of your family can be protected. The rest of your community can be protected so that those of us who have the armor can rush out and do battle for those who cannot do battle. Amen. And so to help us understand that, I want to bring us through the different components of the armor and teach us what it means. And I know you might be thinking, hey, I, I've, I've known, I've learned this kind of teaching before, but hang in there. You know, even if you know it, it's always good to go through the word of God again. Uh, but I believe that, you know, if you allow God to, he's going to do something new in our teaching today. And so I've got six points because there are six components uh, to suiting up the armor of God. And I know time is not necessary on my side. So I'm going to go through them as efficient as possible. So let's go through the, the first thing that we got to we got to embrace, okay? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your ways with truth. If the whole point of putting on the armor of God is to help us be more effective in our spiritual warfare, in our praying for other people, praying for the saints, praying against the, the, the spiritual forces of the air, and then you must understand that each of this armor also comes with an attitude because prayer is, is about an attitude. Amen? Right? A prayer is asking. Prayer is asking of God. Prayer is asking of God. And what gets something approved, what, what, what gets a request approved uh, is many times the attitude, the tone. And so I want us to go through the different armor, but I want to bring us through a, a, a certain attitude that we need to have, a certain attitude or attribute that is connected or, you know, uh, linked together with this piece of armor. So let's, 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 let's go back in again. Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Some translation says, you know, having put on the belt of truth. Gird at your waist, put on a belt, and you know, tie a knot around your waist, belt, with truth. I want you to understand that a belt in, in the Roman centurion armor, which is where Paul is getting his inspiration from, a belt is the thing that puts everything together. A belt uh, is the one, you know, we hit a, a famous superhero, Batman, right? So those of you who understand this will know that Batman, the most important component in, in Batman's utility is his belt, his utility belt, in that belt. Anyway, a belt, belt holds everything together. If Batman needs it, what more us? A belt, a belt, amen? The belt helps to keep the armor in place. The belt helps to make sure that the sword is there and the other supplies are there. The belt and so basically the belt is a thing that is the linchpin that holds the whole armor together. And, and Paul describes this, you know, belt yourself, gird yourself, gird your ways with the truth. The truth. And this is so important for us because before we can start to pray for other people, before we can do warfare, we got to come back to the truth again. What truth? Well, in, in John 8, 32, it says this, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What truth? The truth that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. The truth that we are not all that. The truth that even though we can be Christians for many years, and we have maybe different degrees or different Bible college or not at all, the truth is, it's not the degrees and the courses that separate us. It's not the title that makes us more eligible to do warfare or not. It is the truth, the truth that, yes, we are sinners, but we are completely saved. Not by good works, not by our actions, not by our personality, not by our dressing, none of that. We are sinners, so lost, but saved by God. That's the truth. That's the truth. And, and then that truth balances us. And that truth, and this is point number one, brings us to a place of humility. Point number one, humility. Before you can do warfare, put on humility. Because the belt of truth is not just about speaking the truth. It's about revealing the truth of who we are. At the core of it, I'm not... 
I'm not more anointed because of my church. I'm not more anointed because of the books I've read. I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, used by God. And, and when you approach God with humility, you know, praying always, but first of all, put on the full armor of God. And the first thing that you put on is the belt of truth that brings us to a place of humility. Humility. Amen. Will be able to get us into the right posture when it comes to praying. Because sometimes we're not careful. And I've been there before. You know, when I first heard the concept of, wow, spiritual warfare, I thought that, man, look at me. I, I'm, I'm such a big shot. You know, I, I, can, I, can, I can push back the darkness. No, it's not I. I can't. I can't. It's God. And, and I'm just a humble servant of God, availing myself to, to do my part to push, to do my part to ask on behalf of those who cannot ask for themselves. So when you put on the belt of truth, it brings you to a place of humility. It brings you into an attitude of humility. And it is in the humility before God that we're able to move mountains. Amen. So put on the belt of truth that leads us to humility. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The, the, the Greek definition for righteousness is this. Is a God-authored divine righteousness. It is not just your own righteousness. It's not put on, puff up your chest with your good works. No, no, no. None of us are saved by good works. It is through God-authored divine righteousness. We are only made righteous. Righteous means we're only made holy because of all that Jesus did. He died so that I don't have to die. He rose again so that I can have a new future. My righteousness is not from myself. My holiness comes from God. And that's the second point, holiness. When we put on our breastplate of righteousness, it is a reminder of God that says that, yes, I love you. Yes, you're a sinner and I still want to use you. But don't ever forget that I am a holy God. But also don't ever forget that I have given you, I have restored a hol a, your, a, 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 your holiness again. I have washed away your sin. And, and we are to put that up as a breastplate, as an armor. Uh, you know, when you put something up as a breastplate, it's something that you are proud of. It is something that is important. It is like a bulletproof vest, modern day armor terms. Put on the bulletproof vest of holiness. In other words, God is saying that before you do warfare, don't forget about holiness. And so approach the throne of God. God, I put on the truth, which realizes, which reminds me to be humble, forever humble before you. And not only do I remain humble, because sometimes we can fall into that trap. Oh, I'm just a sinner, but God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. Yeah, but there's an expectation out of that love. God doesn't just love you. He loves you, but he doesn't just love you and leaves you where you're at. He loves you and wants to pull you out of darkness. And that's what must immediately follow after humility. Don't just remain a humble Christian. Oh, I'm just a sinner. Oh, but God, I just want your love. That's all I want. That's all I want is a cross. And God said, great that you want the cross. But all I want is your holiness too. And so move from humility to holiness. You know, remind yourself in this time of isolation, guard your holiness. Put it on like a breastplate. It is an important, vital part of your spiritual war and your ability to do warfare. If you are compromised, how do you war for other pers another person? If you are tempted, how do you, how do you stand in the gap for another person that's wrestling against temptation? And, and we need to be reminded of this because uh, I certainly remind, I am reminding myself that, you know, King David, an uh, amazing king, uh, but it was in his time of isolation, you know, when other kings went out to war, he isolated himself. He decided to take a break and, 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 and take an off day in the palace. And it was in when, he, when all the men were out at war, him alone in his palace, that he fall into the sin of adultery of another woman because he was tempted. He, 
looked where he had no business looking at because he was at a place that he had no business to be at. And so isolation, you know, is a scary time. It's a time where temptation comes. But let us be reminded, man, God, you desire holiness. So God, let me not drop the ball when it comes to holiness. Let me put on a breastplate of your righteousness that will guard my holiness for your glory. Amen. And so when you move from humility to holiness, it guides us on how we ought to pray. You know, we so that we don't just pray, uh, ticking off a list. We pray, uh, you know, with, with holiness in our hearts. Approaching God with clean hands and a pure heart. You know, point number three is this. I'm going to give it to you and I will explain it. It's hunger. Move from humility to holiness and holiness to hunger. It says here in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15, And having showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, having showed your feet, having put on, you know, get ready, you know, uh, uh, you cover your feet, you know, wear your shoes with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There are really two things to focus on here. The gospel of peace. First of all, God wants to bring us back to that place of hungering for the loss again. You know, that's why I felt convicted this week that, you know what, I don't, God, I don't, the, the most important thing we do week after week is to give people an opportunity to know Christ and to experience Him. And I didn't want to just allow the very important part of explaining to someone about faith at the tail end of our message. And that's something I, I felt the Holy Spirit challenged me this week that, man, am I hungering for the loss? Yeah, don't get me wrong. We can't go out to preach the gospel, but are you prepared? It says, have you shown your feet with the preparation? Are you running drills in your head right now in this time of isolation where God is taking away all the distractions? God is taking away all the excuses. Are you falling in love with God more? And not just for yourself, but are you equipping yourself? Man, you know, how can I, God, let that be... Uh, uh, the training uh, in this time so that when I do see my friends again and when everybody is hungry for conversation and there will be, that's the truth. And this is this could be prophetic, but maybe it's not called just common sense. But I see that in the coming months, well, I pray that, you know, more, you know, maybe in June, I hope that things can go back normal in June. But if it does happen in June or even later than that, you know, God is in control. People will be hungry, hungry for fellowship and good conversation, face-to-face, -face, coffee, you know, dinners, etc. And then the question is this, when we do see our friends face-to-face, -face, what will we have within us to share? Are we just going to be talking about what we binge on Netflix, which everybody can binge? Or do we have pearls, wisdom? testimonies that we can unearth uh, in the heart-to-heart -heart conversations. Because I believe that when all this lockdown is, is lifted, people will be hungry for good conversation, good meals, fellowship. But then after a while, give or take two weeks later, human nature comes back in and people will kind of want to do their own thing and want their own space again and all the excuses come back in again, all the distraction comes back in again. But there will be that window that God, I believe, is setting up. The question is, when that window opens, do we have enough content? Do we have enough testimony? Do we have enough, you know, wisdom? Do we have... Uh, uh, something prepared that we can engage, meaningful engagement, deep engagement, spiritual, fruitful engagement, conversations that are blessed that we can have with our friends. And that's what it means here, you know, to get yourself prepared with the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. First of all, God is saying to us, the type of gospel you got to preach is a gospel of peace. Not a gospel that, that knocks people down, but of peace. Peace with man and peace with God. But are you prepared? Are you prepared right now? But, but even before you're prepared, are you hungry? Because if you're not hungry to do God's will, specifically to reach the loss, then you won't be prepared. But if you're hungry, eager, then you will be prepared. 
And so I want us to move from a place of just humble, God, I'm a sinner, you have a savior. Saved by grace, God, I desire holiness now. But this holiness is not so that I can be holier than thou. This holiness is so that I can change. So that when I see my friends again, I have a hunger to share with them how much I've changed. Not because I'm better than them, but because I was better than who I was before. Once I was broken, once I was lost, once I was addicted, but not anymore. Friend, if you want to be free, you can have this too. His name is Jesus. So out of holiness, out of that growth, may it lead us to a deeper hunger for the lost. And may this hunger for the loss be the gospel the, 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 no, that shows our feet. You know, interesting trivia is that in ancient times, the, the, the Greek army and the Roman Empire uh, were successful in their era because of the shoes the soldiers wore. Because they spent money and resources to give the army to invest in good footwear, the soldiers could march further, they could walk further, go further than other armies because their, their feet were protected. In fact, not just that, ancient uh, Roman centurion's uh, uh, shoes, or, or not shoes, but you know, uh, the, 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 the boots that they wear, sandal boots, you know, you know what I'm saying, um, had spikes underneath, had small spikes underneath, kind of like what footballers, uh, you know, the, the, the spikes, you know, in footballers' shoes, you know, uh, and, and it's to help them to, in times of war that when they plant their feet down, uh, they can be firm footing and may, may the desire to reach the loss be the firm footing of our faith. May we never, ever be so, you know, mature in our faith that we forget the loss. May, may that desire, that compassion for the lost, that hunger to reach others with the gospel forever be the firm foundation of our walk. And that's what Paul is saying, you know, having girded your ways with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having showed your feet in preparation with the gospel of peace. And he's saying that these three things are the basics. Whether you are ready for war or not, these three things must always be on a soldier. You know, so you must, as a soldier, whether you're, you're just there and soldiers do more than just fight. Uh, sometimes soldiers have to build stuff. You know, they just have to, you know, run, I don't know, different uh, things, you know, set up a camp, set up walls, set up defenses. And when you're doing that, obviously they're not holding the weapons, but they're working. And, but even when they're working, they are always wearing the belt because the belt puts the armor together. You know, they're always having those, you know, uh, uh, you know, spiky shoes because it keeps their foundation steady when they carry stuff, when they build walls, when they chop down trees, etc. And of course, the breastplate of righteousness, that's, that's almost like a vest that they always wear that just shows them that they are part of the army, holiness. And then, so you have a distinction here that says that these are the three basics. And then once you master these three basics, these are three things that you're going to take on. You know, you, you, you see there that from verse 16 onwards, it says, above all, taking the shield of faith, and then it goes on to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Take, take. The Greek word for take is to raise up, which means that, you know, those are the basics. The first three things, humility, holiness, and hunger. Get the basics right. And upon that, I want you to raise up, lift up, take up. Why take up? Because it's not always easy. And so we're going to go deeper now. We've covered the basics. We're going to go deeper now. And so if you really want to be productive in this time to reach a loss, to war for those that cannot war for themselves, then you're going to learn to point number four. And it's going to be different. The first three points are all in H. The last three points are all in C. Take up courage. 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 Above all, Ephesians 6.16 says this, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, the shield of faith. The Bible tells us that, that faith without action is dead. So faith is not just a state of, of belief. No, faith is not just belief, belief, belief. It's 
What do you do with that belief? Amen. You know, courage, why I chose courage or why the Holy Spirit dropped the word courage? Because courage is defined as the strength in the face of pain. Wow. Courage is defined as the ability to do something that frightens one person. And so courage is not the elimination of fear or the elimination of pain. Courage is strength even when we're in pain. Doing something even though it frightens us, that's courage. And that's also what faith is. Because we cannot you know, talk about faith uh, without talking about Abraham, right? And so turn with me now to Romans chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. Romans 4, 18, 22. And I want to just quickly bring us to uh, this description of Abraham, right? It says here, Romans 4, 18. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believe, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. In other words, this is a description that, that, that Abraham was called the father of faith, not just because he believed, but he acted upon that belief when he had every evidence not to do so. Even though his body was a hundred, even though Sarah's womb was dead, maybe it was no decades of menopause, dead, he knew it, but he believed it. And this is what faith is. Faith is not ignoring the facts. Faith is saying that even though I know the facts, I choose to believe. Even though the facts are painful, I choose to hope. You know, even though I'm scared, I choose to march on. So, so Abraham wasn't delusional. Abraham knew that he was an old man. But when God said, out of you, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. He was saying that, man, even though I'm a hundred years old, God can do it. So I will. And even though Sarah had, had, you know, the womb was dead, menopause for decades, she knew it. But she believed it. And her husband believed it. And maybe her husband helped her to believe it. And they believed and they, they did what they had to do, even though they were old. But they believed and that's what faith is. Faith is not just a state of being. Faith is, is called courage under fire. Faith is being positive out of an unknown outcome. Do we know what's going to happen right now? Do we know how long this pandemic will last? No. But I'm still going to have faith. I'm still going to be courageous. I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to engage. And that's what God wants us to do. Now take up courage because it's not always easy to go against our flesh. Because our eyes tell us the, 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 the facts. But God is saying that, would you choose faith over facts? Not in a way that is ignorant. I'm not saying that, you know, therefore we be stupid about it. No, but it's saying that, yeah, I, I see the facts, but I'm going to have faith anyway. Yeah, I see the facts, but I see the pain, but I'm going to press on anyway. You know, I, I, I see the fear, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force it anyway. That's what faith is. And faith takes courage. And when you have courage on God's word, it activates your faith. So in other words, God is saying this. I want you to pray always, but this is the key towards my heart. Come before me humble. Come before me, holiness, with purity. Come before me, you know, with a hunger for the lost so that when you pray, you never just end up talking about yourself. You're always thinking of other people. You're blessed to be a blessing. Now come before me with courage. Can, can we pray to God with courage? Yes, we can. 
That's the beautiful thing about faith. You know, sometimes people get offended. Oh, no, actually, you're, you're always praying so positively. It's not about that. We're not hoping for the positive outcome. We're just praying courageously because God commands us to. That's what faith is. Faith can't help but hope. Does Abraham know that his body can't function? Of course he knows. But he's still going to pray and declare that God will use him. That's not cuckoo thinking. That's faith thinking. Amen. And so I want us to be courageous in this time. Courageous in praying for the sick. Courageous in, in pushing back the darkness that is clouding over this nation and the pandemic. I want us to be courageous. Don't let the death toll uh, uh, rob you, uh, but continue to be courageous and say that, yeah, I see the death toll, but I raise a hallelujah. Amen. Point number five. I know I'm running out of time. Thank you for your patience. You know, it says here, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, take up, don't just take up the shield of faith, right? That will be able to quench the darts. There will be darts, in other words. There will be darts, but have faith. But take up or take the helmet of salvation. Put it on. Put on the helmet of salvation. The helmets, of course, protect us. All right? The helmets uh, protect our head. And so God is saying that I want you to renew your mind with salvation. And, and, and once we begin to meditate on salvation, do you know what that produces? Point number five, confidence. 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 Why confidence? Confidence is defined as this. The feeling or belief that one can have faith and rely on something. So courage is going against the grain. Even though it's painful, I'll do it. Even though it scares me, I'll do it. Confidence is I can trust. I can trust. And so we got to come to God, not just courageously, but confidently, confidently in saying that, God, I trust. I'm courageous to ask, but I'm confident to trust. And that balances us. I'm courageous to ask for healing, but I'm confident to trust that you know the best outcome. Whether that's in the form of healing or in another form. Maybe for now, the outcome could be negative, but, but God, I have confidence that there is a purpose in this negative. There's a purpose in this negative. You know, God is a master using negatives. And, and I'm not saying that God only uses bad times, but, but God knows what he's doing. You know, he, he, many times the negatives that we experience right now, the, the, the discouragement that we experience right now is not a finality, but it is a setup by God. Amen. You know, I'm sure that when Joseph, you know, in, in Genesis was was sold into slavery. He that was that must have been a huge negative, but God used that negative for good. You know, when he was thrown in prison, God used that negative for good. When he was wrongfully accused, God used that negative for good to set him up. Amen. So don't ever lose your confidence. And how do we not lose our confidence in God? By reminding us. Of God's salvation. You see, salvation is not just, oh, God saved me. Meditate and never forget how He saved you. He didn't just save us, you know, with convenience. It was not convenient. He went to the cross. He died. He took, you know, whips on our back. You know, He got hurt, he was beaten and bruised, whipped, left alone, cursed, spat on, pierced, dragged down for our salvation. So how can I not trust someone who has gone through so much for me? So even when I pray and maybe things don't come out, as courageously or as positively as I envision, but I will helmet myself with salvation so that I continue to have confidence in the one. Jesus, you who were betrayed, abandoned, beaten, bruised, whipped, smacked, 
bet on slashed nailed hung suffocated for me I know if you would do all that for me you have nothing but love for me a sinner I have I can I, I am confident in whatever you choose to do I'm confident to surrender I'm confident to trust and point number six thank you for your patience take up the sword of the spirit Ephesians 6 17 the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and the last point is this we pick up the sword to cut so get your basics gird yourself with truth which leads to humility put on the breastplate of righteousness, holiness, showed your feet with the gospel of peace, with preparation, hunger. Pick up, take up, raise up the shield of faith, courage. Put on the helmet of salvation, confidence, and now raise the sword to cut. And what we need to understand is this is where it goes to warfare. You see how sometimes we rush into warfare? God, I bind this, I cut that, and yet Paul is saying that prepare first before you cut. <laughs> and we got to learn to know God's word. The sword is not just, you know, words. It's God's word. It's scripture. Do you know how Jesus role modeled this out? Do you know how Jesus defeated the enemy or defeated temptation? In Matthew, go back and read this, right? Matthew 4, verse 1 to 10. Go back and read the whole temptation of Christ in the desert. It says here that, you know, it is written. That's how Jesus responded. It is written. It is written. It is written. He wasn't just confessing words, even though he was the word of God, but he role modeled out that actually it is in the memorization of scripture that allows the application. And so here's a hot check. When was the last time you told yourself it is written? Think about that. <laughs> the last time you were overwhelmed with fear, when was the last time you spoke to your spirit? Hey, self, it is written. When was the last time you were tempted and then in the temptation to compromise, you responded with it is written? And, and could it be that is why we are losing more battles than we are winning. And so I want us to, to use this time of isolation. Yes, do spiritual warfare, but equip yourself with the word. Read up the word. Read, pray, and, 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 uh, and start quoting scripture so that out of those quotes, uh, the principalities and powers of the air can be cut down as Paul commanded us. But don't let it just cut the spiritual things. Let it also cut ourselves. In Hebrews 4.12, says this, Hebrews 4.12. One last scripture, is that okay? One last scripture, and then we'll wrap things up. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So yes, the word of God cuts, but it's not just to cut down the enemy, it's also to cut down our own flesh. It says here, it is the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Do you know that the heart is deceitful? Our heart lies to us all the time. It, we, we deceive ourselves. We, we, we delude ourselves. But the word of God helps us to cut away you know, the, the intentions of our deceitful heart. It helps us to check ourselves. And so when you know the word of God, it, it helps you that when, that when you pray, and this is what true prayer is. Don't think that warfare is just for somebody else. Warfare is also against your own flesh. And so, yes, scripture cuts down the enemy. But as you do that, as you put on armor of God, it also cuts at your own flesh. And all of us, we need to shave off more and more of our flesh every day. And it is only through the word of God, not any other thing that will be able to cut off, help us discern 
You know, sometimes the way we pray is self-seeking. We're going to cut that away. And it's only through meditating on the Word of God. And so I hope that with today's teaching, we will be able to relook at the armor of God and realize that, man, this armor is not just for my own personal protection. It is so that I can be ready. Nobody rushes into warfare uh, with no equipment. So, so Paul is saying that there is warfare to be waged. So put on the armor and this warfare is waged through prayer. But before you seek God, get your attitude right. Get humble, get holy, get hungry. And after that, be courageous. As you approach the throne of God, be confident in the will of God and cut, cut, cut with courage, cut with confidence, not just the enemy, but also your flesh. So that at the end of the day, even in this time of isolation, we not only get to push back the darkness as the church is supposed to do, Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The church is meant to be advancing and meant to be ramming against the gates of hell. So warfare, I hope, doesn't freak you out. It is part and parcel of our Christian faith. But we need to get our preparation right, armored up so that we can pray. And when we armor up, our prayers will be effective. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for today's teaching that we're able to go deep in this way. And Lord, even in this time of isolation, God, we want to be glorifying you every day. Lord, we want to be productive. And even though we can't meet face to face, there's so much that we can do. Jesus, you role model it out by being isolated and praying. So Lord, may we use this time of isolation to pray, to pray. Lord, we know that you're revealing a lot of things that's happening in our lives. Lord, we know that you're using this pandemic like a fire, like a refiner's fire uh, to, to burn away the things that distract, to reveal what's truly inside. But Lord, we pray that after the revelation, after the repentance, Lord, we will now pick up our armor bit by bit. Lord, with humility, with holiness, with hunger, with courage, with confidence, so that we can start cutting away not just the forces of darkness, but also the flesh that trips us up so that when we emerge out of this lockdown, we emerge ready to be used by you in everything. Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us who we can pray for. Help us to war for the salvation of our loved ones like never before. Help us not to be complacent. Help us not to be lazy. But Lord, help us to maximize this lockdown for your glory in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.